You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. Hey, Mary, uh, a few years ago, there was a TV show, I think it was on ABC originally, and then the last season got on to Netflix. And you know how you get really hooked on something that isn't necessarily that good. This was one. It was called Designated Survivor, and it starred Kiefer Sutherland. And the premise was Kiefer Sutherland was like a professor or something who somehow became uh, cabinet chair uh, or cabinet secretary of housing and urban development. And the State of the Union, when the whole government's there, they have to keep one member of the succession out. And he's called the designated survivor in case something catastrophic happens. And so they kind of figured Kiefer Sutherland is the most useless guy in the government. He's in uh, urban development. And so they tell him to stay home and terrorists strike and they blow up the whole capital and everybody, I mean, everybody is killed. And so he's now the president of the United States and things kind of go from, from there. Well, I mean, that's all kind of wild and outlandish, but it feels equally outlandish to me. What if the president is very sick or like all hyped up on steroids and it turns out the vice president has to cut his trip short and not go home and vote because he's really very sick. And so we're facing the prospect of uh, the leadership of the government passing to the Speaker of the House, who is a member of the opposite party, under laws that are not clear. Is that like another crazy plot? It is. I <laughs> Can you imagine if you had written that screenplay, people like, Oh, no. Pandemic no, no. Why do we... the president and the vice president? No. Yeah, they would have said, why don't you do something more reasonable, like blow up the whole Capitol? And, <laughs> and people will believe that. But I, you're going to have to help me out here. The way I understand the 25th Amendment is if the president is incapacitated, neither cannot or does not turn over control to the vice president on his own then I think the vice president can act with the cabinet and can uh, essentially force the transfer of power. Do I have that right? It's, that's true, although it does have to go to um, for approval by both the House and the Senate. That's what the amendment says. But I double-checked this today, knowing we were going to talk about it, and there never has been any implementing legislation passed about that. So exactly, that piece is clear, but exactly how it would happen if the cabinet did not do that, but the rest of the government thought there should be a transfer of power, which the amendment allows, there's no really rules for that. This situation, just to follow that thought, there is no way on God's green earth or as I'm driving across northern Ohio, God's brown earth today, that uh, the cabinet and Mike Pence 
let's say Pence is not sick or not that sick, they're never going to move and strip power from Trump. Not those sycophants. No, they're not. But the thing that's not clear to me beyond there, I know I'm extending too far, is what if Mike Pence is too sick? Uh, how does the cabinet act? Do they act under the leadership of the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo? Now, I know we know there's no way on God's green earth that, or brown earth that this happens, but could the Speaker of the House initiate that? So that's, I think, the other part of, so there are four sections to the 25th Amendment. This would be in section four, where there is mentioned other entities or other bodies, I think it's called, that could act to replace the president. I think you're right, the vice president as well. Let's say they both get really ill, then you need both houses of Congress. And how how would you do that? Because there aren't rules for that. And so you'd have Pelosi and McConnell fighting about that unless they could come to some agreement. One to, you know, say these two guys are dis disabled and they can't, you know, put them on the disabled list and they can't run the government right now. And then they'd have to come up with a unity candidate to appoint as the president. Or would you say it's Pelosi? I guess, wow, John, it's, this is like head spinning, isn't it? Because if both of them are out of um, commission, then that's Pelosi, and why would McConnell ever agree to do that to put Pelosi in power? Well, and I mean, he simply won't. That's the practicality. And so we come then to uh, a constitutional standstill. But I mean, to your other point, even if uh, McConnell and uh, Pelosi could sit down and say, we've got a real problem, we have to solve it here, I don't think they're allowed to come up with a compromise ca uh, candidate because uh, the or the amendment is clear, therefore the Constitution, that the next in line is to be uh, the Speak. Speaker of the House. And I don't, you know, short of Nancy Pelosi uh, resigning, which I don't think, I don't think that fulfills the spirit at all her resigning and putting someone else, and who else would that be? I mean, it's gotta be a Democrat. I, I don't know that any of that works. And I'll give you another wrinkle in this. I have read that there is a body of thought, of legal thought, supported by Mike Pompeo and others, that says the 25th Amendment is not right because the executive branch must be drawn from members of the executive branch, not the legislative branch. Those two cannot be mixed. Therefore, they argue, you cannot take somebody from the legislative branch and the Speaker of the House, for instance, or the President pro, uh, pro tem, who's Chuck Grassley, uh, and put them into the executive branch. That that violates the separation of the different branches of government. So what if in the midst of the rest of this mess, uh, the two houses of Congress can't agree and the cabinet files suit to say, 
the 25th Amendment doesn't apply at all. Are we then totally leaderless? That is for- so crazy. And it, what's interesting for the cabinet to do that, Pompeo in particular, is because the first among cabinet positions is the Secretary of State, right? It was the first cabinet position, and it's kind of seen that way. It's like the most desirable of all the cabinet spots. So you could see Pompeo, kind of, who wants to be president, by the way, kind of making a play to do that. Well, the- and it's specified, right, in the 25th Amendment, if the pre- Speaker and the President pro tem cannot serve, it then goes to the Secretary of State. Correct. So if he is in the line of succession, it's very interesting because I was thinking when you were talking about the constitutional argument, which would ultimately have to be resolved by the Supreme Court, that one of the arguments for Pelosi or Grassley would be that they are elected officials as opposed to an appointed official, which would be the Secretary of State. Um, however, Nancy Pelosi was elected by you know, the probably one of the most liberal districts in the entire United States, which is basically San Francisco, California. So is she any more representative of the United States as a whole than Pompeo, who was approved by the Senate? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a mind bender, isn't it? Well, it is. And I, I want to throw a really trivial one in to kind of support Mike Pompeo's argument. I don't really, and I certainly don't support Mike Pompeo, but when Lyndon Johnson was elected uh, vice president, along with uh, Jack Kennedy as as president, he had, as you remember, been uh, the majority leader of the Senate. He would now, under the Constitution, become the president of the Senate, essentially. I think that's the the right word for it. Uh, and he has the right to, although very few vice presidents do, preside over the Senate and uh, to cast a deciding vote. That's the way the Constitution lays it out. Johnson, however, knowing that he was going to be a big nothing in the administration, said that he wanted to keep his office in the Senate building. He essentially wanted to stay there. And he intended to preside every day because this is what he'd always done for most of his life. And the Senate acted and said, no, we are not going to have a member of the uh, uh, executive branch uh, having an office in our building, even though the Constitution allows him to work as part of the, the Senate. If, you know, as you know, I am not a constitutional lawyer but I've watched a number of films that involve it. (laughs) And if I were, I would include, that's not really a precedent. It's not something from a court, but it does seem to me to be a practice that suggests, you know, probably the bad composition that was involved in the 25th Amendment. I almost feel in the 25th Amendment that they wanted to get something fixed up, but they all had to get to lunch and they said, so, okay, uh, if it's not the vice president, who then? Well, uh, we love the speaker. The speaker's really powerful. And then they said the president pro tem, and everybody said, who the hell is the president pro tem? <laughs> you know, it, and then they went to... Yeah, instead of saying the majority leader, which is so interesting, 
But you know, I think it's um, more a failure of imagination, the 25th Amendment is, because the stuff we're talking about, I think, is way beyond what even six months ago we could have thought could happen, or even a month ago. Because who would have imagined that the leadership, even Donald Trump, would be so reckless and Mike Pence to put us in this situation. And not just us, meaning the entire country. I mean the Republican Party. I mean the the executive branch. So that's why we are where we are today. And Pence might be fine. He might have just been tired, which is what he said. That's why he missed stopping in Indiana to vote. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but let's assume it's true. Um, But here we are in this situation where nobody believes him or believes what's coming out of the White House about the president's health. No, we don't. And I I want you to explain something, if you will. You mentioned, uh, and I hope I get the phrase right, that there is no did you say implementing legislation? Yeah, I mean, that's the way I said I don't know if that's the legal okay. term, but usually you have, like... Can you explain what that is? Because apparently that's what Nancy Pelosi is doing now. Exactly. I, I believe she held a press conference this morning, and our listeners may actually have more information on that later, but I think that's what she's doing. Yeah, which is there's no way she could pass a bill and get the Senate to agree and they get the president to sign it. But all that being said... It's not clear in the fourth section of the 25th Amendment how another body would act to um, to pull the power away from the president. And so we know that there's this cabinet process, but the other process doesn't exist. And Congress has never acted to create legislation to tell us how that happened. Does it, you know, go, are there committee hearings? How many days? How does it work? You just don't know. So for that to happen, there would have to be legislation passed. And you're not going to pass that in a divided Congress with the president who isn't going to sign it. So there's no way to, you know, make the bill a law. You know, there's just no way. So I, I think I, there's... I mean, no matter what they do, if they did something, the question would be, is it constitutional? And can whatever they do stand? And I think at the end of the day, I think what's going to happen is that we're going to be stuck with an incapacitated Trump and maybe an incapacitated Pence. And who knows it's going to be running the government, honest to God. And you know, John, we said the other day the government runs on its own. But the White House, you can tell they're just a mess. They don't have communications people. Trump's making his own decisions off the top of his head. It's dangerous. Well, it really is. Okay, I, I'm going to finish by offering the John Paulette theory of something that is never going to happen. Uh, let's assume Trump, unfortunately, it's terrible to say this, Trump has passed away. He's, he's died. Mike Pence is seriously ill uh, and maybe has even gone into ICU, but he can communicate and knows he faces the prospect of being incapacitated or passing away himself. Mike Pence quickly appoints a new vice president. 
maybe he appoints, I don't know, Ted Cruz, name anybody, that goes over, I think that only takes the Senate. Right, it has to, to be approved. To, I'm not sure about that, John. Might have to be I'm approved not sure about by the both houses of Congress. By both houses. But uh, Nancy, let's assume both houses. And Nancy Pelosi says, I don't like it. I don't like Ted Cruz. But I recognize for stability, we need somebody in place. Bam, they've jammed somebody in and they've avoided the Speaker, Speaker of the House. I mean, that's all kind of crazy talk. But actually, constitutionally, that could happen. Right? That, I think, is your most likely outcome. I'm not like Trump died, but if he does and yeah. they immediately need a VP, I think they would do that before the sun sets to avoid Pelosi yeah. being in the line of succession. Absolutely. And I, I don't know what it is, uh, but maybe you toss uh, Pelosi something we're going to agree to your bill uh, something to, to get that go. She can be dealt with. Listen, there's so much else going on and you and I get to spend the weekend together live and in person. I'm going to think of that as a sibling talk marathon. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, we'll talk bye. to you. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.